Hey guys, welcome to the Maybe Running Will Help podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Tamburino, also known on Instagram as One Classy Mother Runner. Give me a follow. I'd love to connect with you there. Also, did you know that I offer virtual coaching services? Learn more at NikkiTamburino.com. And finally, are you a woman who runs or wants to run in Baltimore? Check out Baltimore's inclusive ladies running club on Instagram at Bella's Run Club. Now, let's talk about today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to another Friday release of the Maybe Running Will Help podcast. Once again, I'm super excited to share our next guest with you. His name is Jeff Cunningham, and he's one of the best running coaches in America. He coaches some of the top athletes in the country. But what I love about him is that he recognizes all athletes and finds goals from completing your first marathon to qualifying for the Olympic trials worthy of his time, and he won't let anyone tell him otherwise. In this episode, we cover what makes a good athlete, why it's important to respect the marathon distance, and how running can help the world. I'm honored to share Jeff with you and know you're going to be inspired to reach your running potential after listening to this conversation. Here we go. So yeah, so you are attorney by day and then like badass running coach and athlete by night. Is that right? Well, um, badass is in the eye of the beholder, but I suppose I'll roll with that. <laughs> well, it's my podcast, so I think I'm so the judge I love here. that. <laughs> so uh, we're talking to Jeff Cunningham and he is a superstar coach, coaching elite athletes. He's also an attorney. Do you have the same passion at being an attorney than you than you do a coach? Is is Coach Jeff different than Attorney Jeff? Yeah, I uh, went to law school um, back in the late 1990s and uh, graduated in um, actually 2000 and got into coaching right after that. Coached my first high school runner ever, um, actually starting the same year that I graduated from law school. Um, the pursuits are quite different, but um, still require a attention to detail, um, still require um, stick-to-itiveness, still um, require the ability to plan ahead and think long-term and try to chase after a desired result to, uh, to you know, some degree. I suppose that the skill sets that go into both uh, um, work well together from a synergistic standpoint, but you know, the reality is I'd be lying to you if I told you I was as passionate about practicing law as I am about coaching. Um, uh, coaching is a completely different thing when it comes to um, uh, um, seeing somebody un- uplifted and seeing somebody energized and fired up and so incredibly uh, proud of themselves for a job well done. And I just really, really love taking somebody and then having them do something and then them coming back and saying, I can't believe that I just did that. I did not know that I had that in me. And it's just a really, really enjoyable thing for me. And I am incredibly grateful to be able to do that even to this day. Is that how it it was for you that you were doing things that you had no idea that you could do? And that's how you fell in love with the sport. Is that why you share it with others? Well, the funny thing is the first race I ever ran was at the Winona um, High School track meet in Northeast Texas in the middle of the woods. Uh, I said high school, went on an elementary school track meet, um, and that would have been in the spring of 1979, uh, 80, something like that. And I ran 
three steps and tripped over a clump of grass because school at the time didn't even have a track. And my dad yeah. was there with a bunch of other parents and he sighed and put his hand in his, his head in his hands and just said, this kid has no future uh, in running. This is embarrassing. I got up and then actually got mad and then went and sprinted and then passed everybody and then won the race. And then uh, 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 so about 40 seconds after tripping and falling, then my dad changed his mind and thought, well, maybe this kid can run a little bit. Um, uh, 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 fast forward that. Um, obviously, many years later, I ended up getting a college scholarship and it sort of helped define who I am as a person. Um, I got a lot of confidence from that. I gained a lot of self-esteem from that. Um, and then I um, ended up going to law school and becoming an attorney because I wasn't good enough at running to make money at it, but I was good enough to earn a college scholarship and have a really fulfilling time at it. But it really helped define who I am. It really yeah. helped me to the core of my being uh, uh, get confidence and be able to then uh, um, parlay that into success in other areas of my life. Uh, so it has certainly been sort of a core, it's been a foundation, it's been an anchor for me um, emotionally, psychologically for my entire life, for sure. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a familiar story. And I, I'm wondering, listening back to how your dad reacted and if that kind of lit a fire in you, you know, I think a lot of runners feel like they have to prove something. And is, is that how it was for you? We all have something to prove, whether it's to ourselves or to others um, or a combination of both, which is often the case. We all have something to prove. Um, and our success um, does not have to be defined by others. We can define our own success, define what successful is, and then go mm -hmm. and chase that. And once we do that, um, it's then on to the next and then on to the next and then on to the next. But we can define our step, our, our success, excuse me, one step at a time, incrementally as we go. Um, one of the things that I believe that people underestimate is the power of them, or shall I say the power of you. We're all capable of a lot more than what we realize. And we are hyper obsessed as a culture, whether we like to admit it or not with self-limitation. We're hyper-obsessed with boxing people in. We're hyper-obsessed with putting parameters um, uh, around people and putting fences around a really small ranch when the ranch that is our talent is typically a much larger ranch and we can push those fences farther and farther and farther out. And so my point is, we are capable of so much more. And if we invest in us and we believe in us, then we become better. And then when we become better, everybody in our sphere, whether it's this little ring here or this ring or this ring or this ring, everybody's better around us when we're better because positive us and uplifting us and excited us and, uh, and passionate us makes everything better around us. I'm convinced of that. Yeah. And I think to your point, like like attracts like, and when you're, you, operate in a way that's so positive you attract like-minded people and together you just grow and it's amazing what our community has done and can do together you know as we interact with each other which is what i love so much about meeting people like you and being able to connect and talk and just um you know feeling like i have a new connection somebody else to bring into my circle that's so positive and so influential um so talking about you know we were talking about confidence and running you know really brings confidence to people, especially when, you know, maybe you, you 
are doing things that you don't think are possible, right? So I want to get your thoughts on um, something that I've certainly run into, and I think a lot of runners have run into, is when you do gain that confidence from running and having success at the sport. And then all of a sudden you get to a point where, you know, maybe you have a bad race or something like that. And then it kind of backfires and you are like, you know, your self-worth takes a hit. Like how do you deal with that with your athletes and and even yourself? Um, You know, it's one of these things where, um, I tell people, if you always have moonbeams and glitter just shooting out of your ass, that means that you're probably living in fantasy land. Fantasy, by definition, is not reality. All right? I live in reality. There's peaks and valleys. There's ups and downs. We don't always have our best day. But we want life, and we want our careers, or whatever it is we're trying at, whatever it is we are endeavoring at, we want there to be an upward trajectory, generally speaking. It's kind of like the stock market. I checked it. Today, it's in the green on my iPhone, which means I'm not losing money today, right? (laughs) But the stock market's going to have its peaks and it's going to have his valleys. But generally speaking, from the bottom left to the top right for the last 50 years, if you, you know, put $100 on the stock market, you're probably doing pretty well right now. So what we want is we want that trajectory, bottom left to the top right going up. But each little tiny dip and every little uh, tiny bump in the road can't be some major uh, um, issue that then suddenly clouds our vision for the future, clouds our vision of ourselves, clouds our confidence and clouds the picture that we have painted of ourselves, which hopefully is a good one. And it's one that is um, a strong one, one that's defined by self-worth, one that's defined by confidence. And so don't let, you know, one bad race or one not so good race or one not so bad workout be this major blow. Because we can't be overly invested in the moment when we have to be broadly invested in all that is life, in all that is our career. Be invested in the moment to the degree that you try to maximize your ability to get better on that day. But don't be Mm. so heavily invested in the moment that you have everything in that moment and you lose sight of the fact that what's a week, a month, a year, a decade down the line is truly sort of where we're heading. And Mm. so I tell people, hey, we all are going to have a bad race. We all are going to have a bad workout. But it doesn't define who you are as a runner, and it doesn't define who you are as a person, right? If every one of those moments defined us, then every time we interviewed for a job and we didn't get it, then we would stop looking for jobs. Yeah. Right? If we... Uh, 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 tried cooking, uh, uh, baking a cake for the first time or making quiche for the first time, and it turned out tasting like something scraped off the bottom of the dumpster, then we would give up cooking, right? Yes, yeah. I'm sure yeah. that uh, Gordon Ramsay and I'm sure that um, that Emeril have cooked something that tasted like crap. They just won't ever admit it, okay? It doesn't yeah. mean that they said, okay, I'm going to stop being a chef for forever, right? Listen, yes. we're chefs. We're great runners. We cook up the greatest races, but sometimes it's not so great. It's going to be great, you know? And like I yeah. told somebody, somebody texted me from Australia just the other day. She says, what if I don't break four hours in my marathon? And I sort of flippantly but quickly rolled back, you know, and, 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 and expounded upon this. But I flippantly texted back, well, gee, I don't know. 
What if you don't break four hours in your marathon? Mm -hmm. Will the small heads of infants in Mesopotamia be lopped off? Um, Will uh, world hunger then just run rampant? Will the locusts descend on earth if you don't break four hours in the marathon? No, I think that what's going to happen is the sun's going to come up the next day. You're still going to be the amazing, talented soul you are. And there's probably another marathon somewhere in the globe that's going to be scheduled past October 2023. I'm just thinking out loud here. Probably going to be okay. Okay, it's going to be okay. That was my response. You know, I'm listening to you say that, and I'm wondering if you um, ever get the sense or the feeling that your athletes really want to make you proud and are afraid they're going to disappoint you. All the time. All the time. I get people who apologize to me for them having a bad race. Coach, I'm so sorry. I says, what in the world are you apologizing to me for? Apologize to me for breaking my favorite coffee cup or like scratching my brand new truck. Don't apologize to me because you went out and didn't run as well as you wanted in a silly foot race. But yes, um, my athletes do want to make me proud. And I reciprocally want to make my athletes proud. I want them to look at me and say, I'm happy that that man, you know, is my coach. And I um, 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 uh, um, view coaching as a collaboration. Um, it's almost symbiotic sometimes. I get a lot of emotional support and uplift from, from, from the people who I coach. Mm-hmm. I draw inspiration from the people who I coach. And I've got a million inspirational stories. Um, one of whom um, you've had on this podcast, Mitch Ammons, right? Mm, you see these amazing. stories and they inspire me. And so it's not just inspiration where I inspire my runners to run fast. They inspire me to be a better coach, a better human, a better dad, a better husband, et cetera, et cetera. It's this relationship that we have of mutual respect, you know? Right. I think yeah. people look at coaches up here and like, mm. as you know what I mean? And put them on a pedestal and you're like, I, you know, <laughs> you feel like you don't want to disappoint anyone or whatever, but like, that's a great message. Like you are also like inspired by your athletes. And so it's, yeah, like you said, this collaborative relationship. hundred percent. And it's not this um, purely, um, almost adolescent dictatorial relationship mm. that I, you know, um, uh, um, that I have, I mean, uh, 99% of the people who I coach are adults. Um, I coach a grand total of three people who are under the age of 18. Right. And I really enjoy coaching high school runners. I don't coach as many as I used to, but I have some good ones right now. Uh, but the reality is this is, uh, 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 a relationship where I jokingly told somebody I'm a benevolent dictator. In other words, at the end of the day, you hired me, so I'm going to make yeah. the call on what it is we do. Right. Race strategy, whether or not we run that workout or not, whether or not we enter that race, blah, blah, blah. But it, it's there's a back and forth. There's a discussion. I mean, come on. I'm coaching a bunch of young, bright adults, uh, 90% away smarter than me. I'm just a guy from East Texas who drives a pickup truck and knows a little something about running, right? It's almost like you like I've had athletes say to me like I just want you to know that I'm doing my best and I feel Uh, that way too you know what I mean like if I miss a workout or I've really got something going on or I'm sick like I'm like oh my god I hope they don't think that I'm like not trying what do you what would you say to something like that like I just want you to know that I'm doing it do you always just do you always just assume that your athletes are doing the best or are there ever times where you're like "Mm, you probably could have done better that day 
my response when somebody texts me and tells me, I just want you to know that I'm doing my best is always a two word response. I know. Here's why. Nobody reaches out to me with the idea in their mind that they're going to do their worst, <laughs> that they're going to do something less right. than their best. Now, sometimes we are unwittingly not doing our best, but it's usually out of ignorance, right? Like running at 10 a.m. in the summer, like only taking one gel during a long run, like quote on, you know, only getting in 150 milligrams of sodium per hour rather than five to 700 milligrams of sodium. But listen, nobody is calling me up, wasting their money and saying, well, I just would not trying real hard. Um, and so what I tell people is give yourself grace. We don't give each other uh, 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 um, enough grace and we certainly don't give ourselves enough grace enough. Um, especially our young women. And it really, really upsets me. Um, women, I find, have been socialized to be very, very self-critical. Mm -hmm. Men have been socialized to proceed a bit with machismo, a little bit of uh, false bravado, and perhaps more confidence than they should have at times. <laughs> but the young women, um, because of the way we have organized ourselves and the way we have proceeded as a culture for the last 200 years in the United States, have taught our women, you're not pretty enough, you're not good looking enough, you're not talented enough. And when, when we do accomplish something great, we're forced into a position of, um, of over humility of mm. not being proud enough. Mm. We have to be apologetic about being uber successful, right? Because somehow that's, that's the way we've told people they have to be. And so what I told somebody on another podcast was this, I love broken arms. And of course I got the strangest look. And I, what I mean by that is I love broken arms from especially, and I am going to make this gender specific, especially young women broken arms from patting ourselves on the back for a job well done. And I promise I'm trying my hardest. Almost always, this is interesting. I didn't know this was going to go this direction. Almost always comes from the young women. I, I can name on one, one hand the number of times I've gotten that comment or that text message from a young man. It's almost wow. always the young women. Just, just, wow. just flogging ourselves, just beating ourselves to death over the smallest little thing, such as not hitting the paces on a workout, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. oh, heaven's gate. I mean, listen, man, you know, if we all had the biggest tragedy in our lives of being 12 seconds a mile too slow on a six mile tempo run. Oh, wow. All right. There's your definition of a charmed life. We're going to be okay. Give yourself yeah. grace. It's going to be yeah. all right. That really hits. That really, I, like, I just really appreciated that because, yeah, you're right. It's true. Like, we're so hard on ourselves and it's ne it's just, it never feels like enough. You know what I mean? So it's, wow. That's pretty, uh, that you have that what, like introspection. You, you know what's funny, Nikki, is sometimes I think, I think some of the, some, some, some people I coach sometimes uh, work too hard. Are, are, are too exacting 
so married, so married to the gadgetry and the details of, you know, my heart rate was four beats, was four beats per minute higher today than yesterday. And I'm thinking your big failure was some piece of biomechanic, biometric data from some shitty piece of gadgetry on your wrist. You know, know, at some point, um, we all need to tell our heart rate monitors and our garments to go take a long walk off of a short pier. You know, yeah. Come on, guys. We but but but. <coughs> excuse me. Sorry. Um, yeah. Back to, to but but to elucidate your point, you know, um, uh, give ourselves grace, be kinder to ourselves, and celebrate how incredibly badass we are. Mm-hmm. And stop lamenting the fact uh, uh, that we're uh, uh, somehow flawed or imperfect uh, because every day just didn't go rapturously, brilliantly great. <laughs> Because right. once again, man, I don't. We don't live in fantasy land, man. We live in lands of mortgages, um, uh, uh, car payments, um, illness, illness, yeah. um, fractured relationships, um, um, uh, um, all kinds of things, you know. Right now yeah. in our socio-political spectrum, that have us all stressed out. Let's let running be an adjunct to our lives, and let's not hyper obsess about a few seconds on a tempo run or our heart yeah. rate being a little higher one day. Give me <laughs> a freaking a break, man. <laughs> Right. Everybody just needs to chill out. Do less. Oh, so funny. Yeah. So I like, what do you notice? Because you, you coach, obviously you coach like really elite high level athletes. And then you also coach um, athletes that are just, you know, still great athletes, but they're not doing this as a job or maybe not for a living. What is the main difference that you notice between the two different types of runners? Or is there a difference? Cause I, I know there's so many similarities. Um, There are, similarities that are far more numerous than the differences. Yeah. Um, I don't coach anybody who's getting rich off of running. Um, people assume that because I have athletes who have qualified for the U S Olympic trials, that they are just sitting around, um, sipping lattes with cool, like little, little figures that have, you know, carved into the foam. I have no idea how baristas do that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They think people are just laying around on massage tables, scrolling Instagram, <laughs> you know, going, hey, girl, you know, to all their fans. And listen, um, that's not happening, man. I got yeah. people who are running 100 miles a week. Um, I've got guys running under 220 in the marathon, women running in the 230s in the marathon. Mm. And they all have day jobs and they all have fears and they all have anxiety all connected to running. They all have um, moments of self-doubt. They all have moments of hating running. They all have mostly periods of loving running. And I think, um, Nikki, you've probably had those moments, right? Yeah. Um, They all have moms, dads, friends. Um, uh, 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 life partners, um, we're all human. We're all the same. And just because one, one person can run five minutes a mile, you know, or close to it, right. For a marathon and another person runs five hours in the marathon. Um, we all have lungs, a beating heart, uh, hopes, desires, dreams, laments, joys. It's all the same. Yeah. It's all the same. So, so you're two, say you're two under two thirty woman marathoner and you're under four hour marathon runner. How do you coach them mm. differently or do you coach them differently? 
I coached them differently as uh, uh, as needed. But one of the things that I think people uh, don't realize is um, human physiology is the same. And it has been for um, 1,000, 2,000 years. Um, I actually had a conversation with an athlete today, you know, where he was trying to put the cart before the horse and trying to accelerate some goals um, faster than I thought was prudent. And I says, hey, man, you can't cheat Mother Nature. Uh, you know, our physiology has been sealed in stone for a millennia. The only difference between us now and a thousand years ago is that we don't die from right. an abscess tooth because we discovered something called penicillin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um, the, ox the human aerobic system, the oxygen delivery system that we use as distance runners, okay, in just a vastly, vastly disproportionately high amount of time rather than any other system that we use is um, developed the same way. Um, the less you run, the slower of a marathoner you're going to be. Within certain parameters in a carefully designed program, the more you run and the more you do certain kinds of aerobically development workouts, the faster you're going to be. And it's going to take you from being a nine minute per mile a uh, 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 young lady to an eight and a half minute per mile young lady, eventually to an eight minute per mile young lady, if we're lucky enough and you're talented enough to do that. And I say talented enough, because if you run eight minutes a mile, that means that you run 329 in a marathon. I sat and I looked and um, that puts you in the upper echelon of all marathoners in the world. If you can mm. run under 330 in a marathon, and if you don't believe me, then go look at the Boston Marathon qualifying times and you know that the fastest time for age group for women to qualify for the Boston Marathon is 3.30. Why is yeah. that? Because that puts you in the upper echelon of all women in the world. Do I coach a 3.29 woman very similarly as I do for my women who run 2.32, 2.36, 2.37, who I, I coach women who actually have those PRs? The answer mm -hmm. is sure. It's just you might be running five days a week and 50 miles in those five days. Uh, those women might run seven days a week. They might run um, uh, 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 10 runs in those seven days and might run 90 to 100 miles in those days. But the physiology is the same. We've yeah. got to increase distal capillarization. We've got to focus on workouts that increase mitochondrial density if we want to get into the science of this and there's ways to do it and there's ways not to do it and i'm unrelenting in my pursuit of excellence for my athletes by adhering to sound scientific principles and assigning assigning critical velocity work uh, uh work at 100 percent amvo2 lactate threshold work in proper volumes at uh, proper density um at proper paces to achieve the desired result and I do it the same. And um, so people say, well, I know that I'm not one of your faster runners, but, and I tell them, stop there. Just started a sentence where mm -hmm. you diminished your goals, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. denigrated your self-worth, you uh, diminished your value as a runner. And then frankly, actually the tinge in that, the underlying tinge in that, you devalued yourself as a person as far as your relative worth to me. Stop there. Yes. Your goal to make the Boston Marathon is every damn bit as important as this other runner whose goal is to make the Olympic trial. Ugh. Now you stop that. Yes. Now just let's just start over with, hey coach, I have a question about my training. 
instead of, hey, I'm not as important to you. So humor me, just carve out just a little bit of your time for me. No, that ain't the way a coach works. Oh my God, it's amazing. Like all the things that you're saying, like they're just, they just really hit. Um, I tell no lies. No, no, God, I love that. What do you, what do you think about the, I guess the idea that as runners, we have 10 to, I don't know, 15 years of improvement. Like, do you, is, is that true in your opinion or? When I was born, if I was told I had 10 years improvement, that means I would have hit my peak at the age of 10. So probably not. <laughs> um, uh, no, um, that's rubbish. Okay. That's rubbish. We, yeah. we, um, we have this, um, this need. And once again, we're going to go back into human psych psychology here. We have this need to put parameters on things, you know, um, yeah. um, uh, define things, put limits. We just want limiters on everything. Right. Um, I, I have a 63 year old woman who I coach right now, who's running better than she did 10 years ago. Yes. Right. I, uh, <laughs> most of the best women I coach are all in their mid thirties, um, um, who are soon going to be in their late thirties. Yeah. Right. And so, um, we now know that women hit their, um, aerobic peak in their mid thirties, um, even training into their late thirties. Now, you know, Kira D'Amato is a statistical outlier for any number of reasons in the first and foremost is she um, has at one point held two American records, currently holds one. So you're a statistical outlier if you're ever that good at anything. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I don't believe that the one thing about her makes her a statistical outlier. And that's that at the age of 38, she's running as well as she ever has in her career. I actually think that that's a, getting to be pretty normal. Yeah. And if you don't believe me, I will happily in private, Nikki, call you up and give you the actual names of the women <laughs> who coach who are uh, uh, mothers, one of whom is an attorney in New England, who is the mother of two small children. She's 38 years old, and she is right now running workouts that blow my mind to the degree that she's about to go and do something pretty unbelievable in her marathon. It happens to be the Hartford marathon. Everybody, uh, watch. Um, yes. so no, yeah. no, I, I, I'm not, I, what I tell people is how much tire tread wear do you have? How tired are you both from the neck up and the neck down? You know, mm -hmm. I've got some 25 year old runners who don't have any cartilage left in their knee because mm -hmm. some well-meaning, but misguided collegiate coach had them running a hundred miles a week. Um, um, as a 20, you know, or a 22 year old woman, young woman trying to race six kilometers cross country college, right? I have other women who didn't even run a step until they decided to go quote unquote, get in shape in their thirties and are now some of the top masters runners in the United States running yeah. down in the two fifties in the marathon in their, in their now in their late forties, right? So and running PRs, PRs, I've got three 46-year-old women, all who are about to run in the age group world championships at the Chicago Marathon, and all three of them are probably going to run their personal best in the marathon. And I'm not talking about going from five hours to 4.57. I'm talking about going from like 
257 to 254, from 255 to 249. That's what I'm talking about. At the age of 46, yeah. all parents, two of whom are professionals, one of them works 24-hour shifts as a nurse, right? Yeah. The other yeah. one is a high-level professional in, uh, uh, um, um, down in, uh, in Tennessee. And what I'm telling you is, is, is do not sell yourself short. That 10 to 12, 15-year thing is just a bunch of horse shit, okay? Flat out. <laughs> That's so that, exciting. I might have to yeah. like follow yeah. these people. I get so inspired by like seeing other women do it. Like, and I love talking to you and, and hearing that there it, it's so possible. And I think a lot of people need to hear that, not just me. So sure. I think that's great. So another thing that you do is um, the go one more marathon. Now I, I saw this because it was on, um, I think in your Instagram, but is that a race that was last year? Is that going to be in 2024 or is that like a one-time thing? Uh, the Golden War Marathon, I think is, has been held three years, right? Uh, uh -huh. 2021, 2022, and 2023. Um, uh, 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 Nick Bear from Bear yeah. Performance Nutrition, uh, who is the uh, uh, co-founder of BPN, um, originally held the race as a small race on a close course. Uh, um, uh, on a USATF certified course and ran his first sub three hour marathon there. And then it grew into something bigger the next year, yeah. then grew into something much bigger this past year. Yeah. I'm not um, completely uh, um, in tune with the ins and outs of the scheduling for 2024 and when it's going to occur, uh, but it has taken on a life of its own. The culture of Bear Performance Nutrition, who sponsors a ton of my athletes. Uh, sponsors uh, my team, Bat City Track Club, um, um, here in Austin, and has been um, just unbelievable to me and who I collaborate with and I work with on uh, uh, the BPN Fitness app. Uh, they've just been incredibly good to me, heavily invested in the fitness space. Um, really excited about the gels that are coming out later this month. And so okay. um, we've got electrolytes, carbohydrate replacement drink, and gels. We're going to have the perfect endurance stack coming out plug. Uh, but yeah, the, the one more marathon is amazing. It celebrates the human spirit, triumph over uh, insurmountable uh, um, odds. Um, one young lady who's paralyzed from the waist down went and walked a mile um, uh, uh, at the uh, 2023 edition in April, uh, brought all of us to tears. Um, yeah, it is an amazing, an amazing little event. Um, really, really difficult to get into. Uh, oh, is it? Okay, yeah. About five minutes. I think they had 300 slots sold out five minutes this past spring. Okay, yeah. I wasn't sure if it was like an yeah. invitation thing. I'd heard about it. Um, Matt Johnson, who I talked to, I guess. Oh, I'd Matt, heard, yeah. Yeah, I just I just um, talked to him. But so I heard about it there. And then when I was looking at your um yeah, at your Instagram or whatever, then I saw the YouTube video. And yeah, I wanted to ask about the race, but... But also the reason I asked about it is because what you say in that video is so, it's, it like got me emotional. And there's yeah. a line in there that like, it was like, you can't fear the marathon because the marathon doesn't fear you. And I just, mm. that really stood out to me. And I wanted to see if you had any thoughts about what does that mean? Like, what, what does that mean to you? Because I can tell you like how I feel about it, but. Um, the mar the marathon obviously uh, goes all the way back to, you know, uh, um, the age of, um, um, Phidippides, um, right. Um, and then 
was at the very first Athens Olympics in 1896. Uh, and the reality is um, the marathon is a grueling event. A marathon is um, kind of interestingly 26.2 miles, uh, which is a strange distance to people who don't know why it is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, and the marathon is sort of this um, um, uh, uh, event that has taken on a life of its own and it's going to stay 26.2 miles and it's going to stay tough. You either meet the demands from a physical standpoint in racing it, completing it, investing emotionally and physically into what it is to do a marathon because you better come you better come and bring the goods because the one thing is, is the marathon will not change for you. It will be 26.2 miles. That line's going to be painted on the street. And then you're either going to meet the physical demands or you are not, but the marathon will not change for you as an event and sort of as an idea, um, not just a foot race. Hi, it's me. I hope you're loving this episode. You know what else you'll love? Shopping at my affiliate links like The Feed and Lululemon. Head on over to linktree forward slash Nikki Tamburino. That's L-I-N-K-T dot R-E-E forward slash N-I-C-K-Y-T-A-M-B-E-R-R-I-N-O to learn more. So, yeah, so we're talking about the 26.2 distance. And like I I was saying, the um, you can't fear the marathon because the marathon doesn't fear, fear you. And to me, I'm like, it's always, I'm always like when people and you, you, you're going to appreciate this, I think, but like, you know, mm-hmm. like you'll have a really fast, like 5k or like somebody who's really good at the short distances. And they're like, oh, I'm going to go out and I'm going to like, you know, crush this marathon or whatever. Right. But if you do not respect the distance, like it is going to just crush. I've seen it so many times where people just think they're just like, you know, they're the best runner ever. And like they go out and they're like, oh, whatever. Like, and they'll go out and they'll expect the marathon to be, I don't know, to be different or not to be as hard as it is. And every mm-hmm. time they're like, if you don't respect it, like, honestly, it will put you on your ass. Yes. Such One of the race. things that I find um, is that with social media and in the digital age, we have so much access to all of the pageantry and all the excitement and all of the positive, cool stuff that goes into the endurance space. But what we don't really fully internalize, I think, for people who are newbies to the whole arena, so to speak, is just uh, the true patience versus the um, false sort of fake definition of what patience actually is and what it takes to actually be physically and mentally prepared for one of these events, whether it is a half marathon, marathon, um, we're seeing what I believe to be, and this is my own editorialization and apologies to anybody out there who's offended by this, but this, um, um, almost dangerous, um, um, obsession with quote unquote sign doing hard things without actually really respecting the event enough to prepare for hard things. Mm-hmm. And so there's a reason why we're having sometimes a 50, 60, 65% dropout rate in some of these ultra marathons is we have people who just don't show up prepared, you know, and, um, it's a respect thing. And it, um, is also bled into, um, some other areas where, uh, people don't understand that you can't be a bib mule in a race. Right. Um, and why that is so 
distasteful and why that is so upsetting to people who've worked really, really hard in mm -hmm. races. Um, why um, you shouldn't um, have three guys on a scooter and, 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 and four people on cameras darting in and out um, of a marathon course and filming you the whole way to do something that frankly is actually not particularly um, um, unique and not particularly uh, uh, abnormal or particularly notable, but now you know, we have people who just have this incessant need to just post everything. And mm -hmm. so what we have is, is we have this undercurrent of disrespect where we have people who are just entering races and are just not ready. So yeah. have enough respect for the people who have come before you uh, in from a preparation standpoint and have enough respect for the actual event itself to not reduce yourself to just sort of walking on the side of the street because of a failure to prepare. Yeah. You know, they say that a failure to prepare is preparing to fail. Yeah. Um, man, you know, there's a little bit of something to that adage, you know. Um, yeah. Make sure that you're also getting good advice. Get good mm. advice uh, from people. They say, do you think I'll be ready to run a marathon? And um, people will call me up and say, well, ready to do what? Walk it or break the world record? And then yeah. there's all there's a thousand points on a continuum between those two between things. Those, yeah. So when you say ready in your mind, what does ready mean? Mm -hmm. right. And they say, well, I want to break three hours. Well, you won't be ready for that. Not in, mm -hmm. not in 11 weeks. Well, why not? Because you run um, 15 miles a week right now. And your personal best is 407. Yeah. Probably not going to do that, but, 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 but you will be ready to run 350. Okay, or 345. So let's let that be success. Well, I don't even want to do it if that's the time I'm going to run. Okay, but there's a way to be successful and to find success for this one. Then we yeah. can go to the next one. But respect what it takes to run a three-hour marathon enough not to just throw some gobbly gloop out there and, from, and, and don't expect me to go to be an enabler and be like, oh, that's a great idea, man. That's wonderful. And let's not do that, guys. Okay. Yeah. Everything that you're saying, I'm just like, wow, that's so true. The great thing <laughs> about me is because I'm a lawyer. So even if I don't know the answer, I'll just make something up. <laughs> so yeah. what do you consider like a good athlete or a coachable athlete? Like what qualities does someone have for you to take them on as, as an athlete? A uh, good communicator, um, uh, uh, a truly patient, um, actually internalizes the idea that all bad days, all bad weeks, all bad seasons in our lives do not define us mm -hmm. and um, aren't then going to be some artificial end cap on whatever journey that we're on that's going to prevent us from getting where we want to go. Just be yeah. patient. Internalize there's going to be ups and downs. Be a, be a good communicator and also respect consistency. Right. Be consistent uh, in the way we parent. Let's be consistent in the way we are spouses or partners to those who we love. Be consistent in our effort. If we claim to want to do something, then apply a, um, a generally acceptable level of consistency um, that follows a generally accepted plan, whether it's coaching, whether it's building a new house, whether it's weaving a new basket, and then just consistently set out to achieve that. If you invest in consistency, if you invest in 
um, understanding that everything's not going to be perfect and that some days are um, are not are not going to just sort of be this sort of amazing sort of out of body experience, then you're probably coachable enough to get this done. Don't be disrespectful. Don't be inconsistent. Don't be a bad communicator and don't be impatient. And you have a much better chance of succeeding. You really do. Yeah. You that know? makes a lot of sense. And talk but, about hey, you. Let me ask you yeah. this. If you're going to go and manufacture something right now and try to sell it to the masses in North America, if it said Insta or Rapid as a prefix to it, like Instagram or Instant Messaging or Rapid Return, if you're opening a, um, a uh, tax return filing business as a CPA, do you think that you're probably going to sell a ton more of that than if you had patient return? Um, wait until your dry cleaning is done dry service. What, 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 what one do you think is going to sell the best? People want everything yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I got news for you. Uh, it's not going to work in marathoning. You've run marathoners. You're a really, really good marathoner, um, a regionally elite marathoner. Um, and you know as well as I do that you cannot force Mother Nature to do something that your body will not do. You've got to follow the same thing that has worked for uh, um, hundreds of years, thousands of years when it comes to developing an aerobic you know, machine in our body. But our culture around us has grown such that we um, we're too lazy in Texas. And I've said this before uh, to even get out of our trucks to buy whiskey anymore. We got drive through liquor stores here now. Right. Um, there is no there is no drive through running service. There is no drive through running service. You ain't going to go through the drive through and become go from three thirty to two fifty nine in the marathon, man. God dang, I sure wish it was, because I'd be a rich man. <laughs> you would be rich, yeah, right? for sure. Cunningham, Cunningham, through marathon service. I'm in. Just coming, 1999, I'll drop 31 <laughs> minutes off your marathon. It ain't going to happen, man. It ain't going to happen. I love your honesty and the, your delivery, too. I, I found it really refreshing. Um we haven't even talked about you as an athlete because like you obviously you know all this stuff and, and you're a great coach but is this all stuff that you learned from someone else or that you learned through being an athlete yourself i mean because you know a lot of yeah. stuff one of the, one of the biggest things that i always tell people and i tell nick bear this too is you always better be deferential from uh, uh the places that you came and be deferential to the people who got you where you got um there are very few people out there. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and go with zero who have, who have invented some brand new heretofore um, undiscovered uh, marathon training plan, a new technique. This is the new workout. This is the new medic. No, nah, man, everything I learned, I got from other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mentors, um, uh, uh, Steve Gully at the University of Tulsa, who's one of the great, you know, uh, distance coaches in the NCAA right now. Um, uh, Chris Schrader, who's one of the great high school coaches of all time in the state of Texas, who's coached, you know, 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 state champions, right? Um, um, I've got people all over the country scattered at universities from Wake Forest to Gonzaga to the University of Colorado who have been mentors to me, who I bounce things off of. My um, own running career has... Uh, 
Yeah. Um, I have mentors scattered all over the country, like I was saying, um, and um, bouncings off of each other. I have my own running career from which I was able to do field research. Uh, mostly I found out about everything that I was doing wrong because I'm a way better coach than I was a runner. But the reality of it is, is my coaching and what I do is a compilation of my personal experiences and data and conversations and um, uh, um, information that I've gathered from all over the places and cobbled it together yeah. into this into this scheme, into this plan that I suppose is sort of the Cunningham way of doing things. Yeah. But it's not dissimilar from what Bowerman Track Club is doing, from what Northern Arizona Elite is doing, from what um, um, the great university programs, whether it's uh, 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 Tulsa, whether it's Colorado, whether it's Wake Forest, whether it's Gonzaga. I mean, listen, here's the deal. And I always tell people this, and we love to say this. Well, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And my answer is, uh, apologies to all the cat lovers out there. I'm not skinning cats, okay? Yeah. I'm not skinning cats, PETA, I promise. Um, no, there really aren't that many different ways. We're all using a sharp knife, okay? And the reality of it is, if you are not doing high anaerobic work, if you are not doing volume, if you are not hitting... Uh, proper paces that are dialed in scientifically to prime the aerobic pump to be able to handle the rigors of running X pace for 26.2 miles, you are failing as a coach. And frankly, we're all chasing those type 2A fibers, right? <laughs> type 2B fibers are pure white fibers. They're hot burning fuel um, sprint fibers. You're Type 1 fibers are just your pure red fibers. They're just pure aerobic, and they're never going to be able to help you sprint, okay? And then everybody's chasing those type 2A fibers, which is referred, which is the sort of malleable fibers that um, um, at inception when we're born perform anaerobically, meaning it's sort of a sprint, fast, fast burning. And then what you do is, is you try to slowly change them through properly applied work, whether it's critical velocity work, lactate threshold work, to make them work more aerobically. And that is where we get all of the bang for our buck as coaches. Mm -hmm. And we're all chasing the same thing. Get more people to run faster and do it farther without yeah. falling apart. <laughs> That's all we're all doing as coaches. Right. Get faster, run a faster pace and hold it for longer without falling the hell apart. <laughs> That's all we're all trying to do as distance runners. Okay. And we're all, we're all doing it with a sharp knife. If we're coaching it correctly, nobody's I, out there, uh, um, uh, uh, skinning animals with dull knives, man. So no, I mean the old adage, I mean, listen, there are different ways of doing things. Right. But I mean, if you try to bake bread without yeast, it's going to be unleavened bread. If you want your bread loaf to rise, you all better be putting similar stuff in your bread. So there aren't that many different ways to bake bread. I mean, come on, man. I mean, but, you know, we love to say stuff that we don't mean. And if we do mean it, it means we haven't thought about it. Right. I was on a, a Zoom call the other night and somebody asked me, if everybody trains hard enough, can they get to an Olympic level? Hell no, they can't. Are you kidding me? I mean, I could go out and I could do vertical chumps. You could put a backpack on me and I could get magic shoes and do every and lift every weight in the world. And I'm never going to be able to dunk a basketball. Why? Because I'm 5'8 and I've got a vertical leap of about three inches. 
all right? We can get that vertical lead to probably eight inches. And that's still going to leave me way below the rim. So we need to stop this idea that if we tell people, if you just put your mind to it, you can achieve anything. Yeah. Oh, that's just a bunch of cockamamie, okay? Here's what we can do. I'm a master at turning uh, really, really slow donkeys into the fastest donkeys on earth. But I cannot take a runner's donkey DNA, rip it out of them, and give them racehorse DNA. But I can make you a really fast donkey, and I'm here to tell you I can take about half the donkeys in the world and take and, and take half of those donkeys and make them faster than slow to slightly below average racehorses. Why? Because a racehorse untrained is a slow horse. So right. just give me a really, really hardworking, energetic, um, honest, uh, um, honest, and competitively uh, um, uh, 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 charged runner who has a high yeah. level of integrity and I will turn them into a really, really fast donkeys. And I'm here to tell you, I've seen a lot of fast donkeys run 240 marathons. Okay. Yeah. All right. Jeez, that's, that's amazing. Now, do you still run? Are you still running? I run, uh, two miles a day so that I can, um, simply be a, relatively healthy 48 year old man. And I say relatively because I don't sleep enough. Um, sleep deprivation, uh, it has my, you know, ha has me, um, at my wits end sometimes. And I think it's, it has my wife at her wits end too, but yeah, I run a couple miles a day. Um, I've put up my time. Um, I'm not going to, uh, uh, be uh, running competitive ever again. And I'm okay with that. I'm far more competitive as a coach. Yeah. Um, I lose more sleep over my athletes' races than I ever lost over my own. And I wow. can say that with a complete straight face. And then you can talk to um, um, any number of them and they will tell you that it's true. Um, yeah. But yeah, I still run, um, but just um, just a little bit, uh, yeah. just for my health. Go and do okay. some, some push-ups and some curls and hop on the treadmill, get my two miles in and it's back to the desk, uh, either practicing law or riding running workouts. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And now if you were to finish this, um, this statement, maybe running will help. What, how might running help the world? Maybe running will help the world. And this is, this is where I'm going with this. Um, I, runners are kind people as a, as a, as, as a group, um, running is a glue that bonds, um, races, creeds, um, um, uh, 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 religiosities, um, socio-political viewpoints on a starting line. We're all the same and we are bipedal organisms trying to run 26.2 miles down the damn road. And when you look at the Berlin marathon and in, in late September, and then we see Chicago on October the 8th, what an amazing, diverse um, 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 bunch of people that the running world draws into it. And in the micro, I've seen it change people's lives from a mental health standpoint. I've got young women right now who I coach wear running, and it's, a, it's, it's amazing and it makes me emotional. Well, where running has actually counterintuitively helped them conquer their eating disorders. It is not the cause of and is not making their eating disorders worse. I've got running who has saved people from um, depression, 
I've got running for whom it has saved them from um, an early death because of obesity. I've got running that saved me from my, people wouldn't believe it, my shocking um, level of lack of self-confidence, um, shyness to the degree where I wouldn't even go to the front of a McDonald's and ask for an extra packet of ketchup. All right. And running can save the world. It can. Um, when you look at the Olympic Games and a celebration of the diversity and the togetherness of the world, the central sport to the Olympic Games, apologies to all of you uh, uh, people who do archery and uh, in, 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 in swimming, but central to the Olympic Games is track and field. Yeah. Right? Um, it is the glue that can bond thousands and thousands of people on any Saturday or Sunday morning anywhere in the globe, whether it's Tokyo, whether it's Budapest, or whether it's Bangor, Maine. Mm -hmm. yeah. It is. Yes. I can't think of a better way to end our call than that. Thank you so much for your time. It was awesome to get some of your wisdom, and I cannot wait to share you with our listeners. Well, there's one thing that I always say about myself is I never met a sentence I didn't like to say twice. So I enjoyed <laughs> this very much. Good luck. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Maybe Running Will Help podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I had a lot of fun recording with our guest. Remember to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and follow me at One Classy Mother Runner on Instagram, where you can find links to this show, information about my virtual coaching program, and the Bella's Run Club. Until next time, this is Nikki Tamburino. Keep running, keep inspiring, and keep sharing how maybe running will help. Have a great run, everybody. Job, you can't ignore it. I'm transforming now. These cars and planes, I'm always boarding. Just out touring down in Charlotte, like I play for Hornets. When I'm performing, never boring. Now you can't afford it. Champagne Perrier, finished friends on my face. Looking like I'm from the D. D's no Cartier. Pockets deep, 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 bro. I can make it in my seat, bro. Do you and doing me, bro? Making noise, use a beat.